Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So one of the issues, and we got a call during the uh, top of the hour newscast. Caller just asked uh, whether the issue of the casinos came up uh, during the debate last night. And the short answer is no. But, right, uh, but kind of, sort of, in an ancillary way. The uh, one of the answers from Jesse Citizen, quote unquote, Thomas, was uh, he 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 was very uh, angry at the legislature for not moving forward more quickly on implementing Medicaid expansion. That's one of his two things that he keeps hammering away at, or he did uh, last night, and I expect he will continue to do on the campaign trail. It's uh, number one, he wants to bring the income tax rate down to zero percent. And then the other is uh, expand Medicaid, implement the expansion, which the legislature agreed to. The governor made the big deal of signing it, remember, but it was it was part of the budget. It's supposed to be part of the budget. So the fact that they have not gotten a budget deal yet and we are now midway through September. Right. um, And they should have had it done back in July. Not that they, um, not the government shuts down or anything, and there's historical trend. I mean, there are historical examples over the last, you know, 20 years or so where they haven't gotten a budget by this time. But you would think with a supermajority, you would be able to get a budget. And a supermajority, by the way, where you know Governor Cooper is going to be um, uh, forced to sign the budget because he wants Medicaid expansion, you would think that uh, they could have hammered this out. But the hang-up is apparently gambling. I'm going to bring on Chad Adams. He's a regular substitute host here on WBT, uh, but he's uh, he's down in Wilmington. He's a former radio host himself, and so uh, I was chatting with him. And uh, we're going to uh, I'm going to bring him on at two thirty to talk with uh, him about that aspect going on. Before I get there, though, let's talk a little bit about the Democrats' vote suppression, election suppression that they've been engaged in in Charlotte. Right. This is a huge story because I remember a lot of media folks were very, very um, angry at attempts to suppress the vote. Right. And I looked at the uh, the Charlotte City Council primary that was held yesterday, election day, primary election day was held yesterday. And there was early voting beforehand and all that. And I think the. The turnout number is somewhere around, but not even topping 5%, which means what? 95% of eligible voters did not vote in the Charlotte primary yesterday. And that is a far more suppressive result than any voter ID law I've ever encountered. And I'm like, I don't know what other explanation there could possibly be except voter suppression. Democrats are trying to keep people from voting. What other right? 
oh, well, it's an off-year election. Okay, well, well, didn't they didn't they want that? Right? Oh, well, it's because there were no Republican challengers. True. In a lot of those races, there were no Republicans to challenge each other for primary seats. That's true. But also, why is that? Redistricting. Right. The Charlotte City Council controls its own redistricting. They drew the lines and they draw the lines to ensure that the Charlotte City Council looks pretty uniform and sounds pretty uniform in their ideology. I'm sure it's coincidental, right? Oh, I, oh I'm sure. But the impact, dare I call it a disparate impact, is the same, is it not? You have all of these incumbents that run, and a lot of them are not going to even face a Republican challenger in the general election because the districts don't stand a chance of sending a Republican. Now, Malcolm Graham, city councilman, who also won his primary yesterday, um, what was the number there I saw? Uh, uh, Oh, well, it did. You know, it doesn't say. This is from the uh, Charlotte Observer. They don't tell you, actually, Malcolm Graham and Marjorie Molina of District 5 fended off primary challengers Tuesday. So I guess it was pretty, yeah, I guess it was uh, pretty big margins. I mean, and that, whatever. They're, it's a Democrat primary. Those are the incumbents. Malcolm Graham has been on council for a very long time. Uh, he's a known entity, so it's not surprising. Molina is fairly new. She seems very competent, by the way, so in the meetings that I've been watching, um, so she's done nothing to engender any kind of a backlash uh, that I can see or I'm aware of. But these districts, Malcolm Graham was in charge of the redistricting effort uh, by council. And remember, he was accused of trying to gerrymander Tark Bakari, one of the two Republican district reps, out of a seat. Now, part of this is, oh, and okay, so yes, I am, I am being tongue-in-cheek here, but I am using the arguments that the left uses and the media uses, but I repeat myself, against Republicans whenever they're trying to make these partisan attacks and they want to agitate voters to turn out against Republicans. They say any attempt at election integrity is a suppressive effort. They say any maps that are drawn by Republicans. And when I say any maps, I mean any maps, even maps that Democrats then signed on to at the legislative level, they still get sued over. The Republicans still get sued over and courts will still rule against them. When courts tell them use this criteria, they use the criteria and then courts smack the maps down again, saying you should have used some other criteria as well or not that much of that criteria that we told you to use. It's like, you know, Waiter brings the dish to your table. Uh, Yeah, put some pepper on my uh, dish. Yeah, that's great. Okay, tell me when to stop. All right, keep going, keep going, keep going. Too much, send it back. Like, that's the the way this stuff goes. But when the election system, as designed by Democrats, yields a 5% voter turnout, where are the cries about suppression? Where are the cries about Voter engagement and, uh, and people uh, engaging in the democracy. Is this not a threat to democracy? 
You got 5% of the pop of the eligible voters in Charlotte that are now dictating the direction of the city. That's kind of amazing, no? Is it democracy or is it suppression? Or is it just different when you do it? Is that the deal? Now the Democrats would argue and there there is truth to this, which is always how, you know, lies get packaged, the best ones do at least. You take you take one lie and then you piggyback or sorry, you take a truth and then you piggyback the lie onto that truth. And so by the way, the tactic to uh, to deal with that is you have to you got to cleave it, right? You got to cut it. You have to say no, these are different issues and you got to pull them apart. It's kind of a Mott and Bailey thing, right? I agree with this one but not that one. You're conflating the two, you're connecting them and you shouldn't. So one of the truths here is that Republicans have fled Charlotte. That's true. And you can look the voting patterns all around Mecklenburg County, all the surrounding counties, they've gotten redder and Mecklenburg County has gotten bluer. And this is, to me, this is indicative of, um, of a mindset. When Republicans are no longer able to have a voice in their government, because whenever they say no to things, <coughs> arena, <coughs> right? when Republicans say no to stuff, and they say, we don't want government doing these things, and then they lose, they get steamrolled, and then they can't win elections, they can't get appointments onto, onto committees, because that's really what happens. People just think, oh, well, you don't have a voice on the city council, or, oh, you know, you got two Republicans out of 11, and Democrats want to get rid of all of those, too. They want a completely dominated Democrat body. Um, and that's democracy, by the way. That's the, Those are fair maps. Um the practical impact here is that Republican constituents, people who live inside city limits, they no longer have the opportunity to get appointed to citizen boards and committees because people volunteer for that stuff all the time. And that's honestly, that's a, a farm system for a lot of like city council races and county commission races. People get active. They get involved. They, they meet politicians. They meet bureaucrats they they understand how the system works they feel like they can make a difference and so they run for office and then and they have a network that they build but also if you just want to give back you just want to serve you can't do that because the democrat city council representative will not nominate you to the committee so republicans leave they move away because they have no voice but you look at the blue cities blue states and Democrats are leaving? Democrats leave because they do. It's a really interesting phenomenon, right? Republicans leave because they have no voice. Democrats leave because they did. Because they got what they wanted. They got complete control. And they drove it into the ditch. And now they don't want to live there anymore. And I suspect this is a lesson that Charlotte's going to have to learn. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply, food, water purifiers, lighting, 
tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? Charlotte Observer in their story about last night's uh, election night uh, results. Less than 5% voter turnout. But one of the races that people were watching was this um, District 4 race, Renee Johnson, Renee Perkins Johnson. And uh, she had two primary challengers. And one of those, Will Russell, was endorsed by Mayor Vi Lyles, (laughs) which is going to make the next two years of meetings pretty awkward (laughs) because uh, Johnson won. Johnson beat back the mayor-endorsed challenger. There were only about 24,000 votes out of like 480,000 votes, which, look, this is how Democrat Party officials and activists, this is how they like it. They, They want low turnout in these primary races because it means they have outsized power. Same. Look, I saw the same thing when I was up in Asheville, except up there, all the city council races are at large. And so what happens is you have a smaller group. Think about that. Twenty four thousand people are determining the course of the city of Charlotte. That's why you get stupid deals. I just heard Pat McCrory's minute where he's talking about Eastland Yards, this albatross, the same. Look, and this is the same crap that occurred with project after project in Center City, when they would they would try to, you know, control the development. They did, I remember there was one, oh gosh, what was it called? The, the quilt, I think they called it, the queue. It was, they were trying to assemble all of this property and get all these different developers, and they were having them come in and pitch their proposals and all of this, a public-private partnership, and of course they're hitting everybody, they're hitting the government up for more money. Anyway, um, what else? Johnson. Oh, I, I thought this was hilarious, too. Vi Lyles, in the soundbite that we've been playing here on the news on WBT, Vi Lyles says that it wasn't personal. It was just, you know, get about getting some new blood in there or something. Okay, Renee Johnson is not an old council member. Okay, she's not old, first of all. Second of all, when, when Vi Lyles says it's not personal, you could be assured it's personal. She doesn't like Renee Johnson being on council, right? That There's no other way to take that. You don't endorse somebody's opponent, an incumbent's opponent, in your own party, unless that's the case. One other note, incumbent Dimple Ajmira, once again, led the pack in the Democrat primary in the at-large city council seats. These are citywide seats. Now, they're going to go on to the general election. Ashmere is already now in the driver's seat again to be the top what? Votainer. That's right, not vote getter, the votainer in the November election. Which means I guess her fellow Democrats are gonna have to find uh what a new way to block her from being mayor pro tem again. That's not really sure. All right. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. They got awesome people with huge hearts. 
My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. All right, so Republicans at the North Carolina legislature converged in a standoff over an already long-delayed budget plan because the House and Senate disagree on adding provisions that would further expand state-sanctioned gambling. Uh, One of the things I find uh, incredibly interesting in all of this discussion is how few media uh, were aware that Republicans inside the party have different opinions about some issues. That was one of the biggest shockers to me was how few people that cover politics recognize uh, that there are people with different opinions inside the GOP. However, this is now starting to get a little bit silly. Let me uh, let me bring on my friend uh, Chad Adams, a regular substitute host here on WBT, longtime radio man down in uh, the Wilmington area. Chad, welcome, sir. How are you doing? I am fantastic. You're fantastic. So you've got right, so uh, you've got a lot of sources. You did a lot of work inside GOP circles and uh, uh, think tankery and such. Uh, and so you've got connections. You've got all of these people that you still know that are still in the know up in the Raleigh area. So let me ask first: uh, Is it your understanding that the uh, the holdup with the budget approval? Uh, or even the construction of a budget that we can just look at, right, that this is, in fact, being held up now only by the gambling question? 100% yes. Okay. And so what is the nature of the disagreement? It's casinos, baby. (laughs) Everyone wants one. I want one. You want one. Let's get a casino. No. It's it's really beyond belief that that's where we you know if, if if you had argued ten years ago hey the Republican Party would be the party that wants Medicaid expansion that wants to legalize pot and wants to bring casinos to North Carolina people would have laughed you out of the room and yet it's kind of where we find ourselves with respect especially now on gambling because they're really stuck so Senator Phil Berger the leader of the Senate has said this is a do this is the hill to die on it's going to be casinos in the budget it's not going to be a separate vote. This is what we want. And Tim Moore said, I don't have the vote over here in the House. It's just not going to pass. You can pass it separately, but no, we don't have the votes. And it's gotten – it got very tense just recently in the past 24 hours where Tim said, you know what? I guess we'll just start stripping some Senate bills down over in the House and putting substitute language in. And that's kind of an act of political warfare within the walls of that romper room we call the General Assembly. So they're trying to get Tim's words – excuse me, the Speaker of the House's words – cooler heads to prevail they've been meeting and it looks like and they're 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 diligently it's starting to resonate how important this is that state budget was supposed to be done july 1st just like every city and county in the state we're in the middle of september this is absurd it's childish it's pedantic so they they're kind of working out i wouldn't be surprised if this is what happens that they get the votes by saying we will allow tier one 
poverty-stricken counties to have the option to have a casino in their county. And there would be a limited number of those grants out there from the state. To me, it's bizarre. It's a monkey wrench way of dealing with things, and let's just shoot it out there and see how it goes. But that looks like the direction that we could end up with to get a budget. As a separate standalone question or as part of the budget? Okay. No, part of the budget. Part of the budget. budget. Phil Berger does not want it to not be part of the budget. That's the, that's the, the hill. That's it. There's no other way. That's the way. It's the only way. I'm shocked that that's the way, but that's where we are. So why? I guess that's the question. Why is this the hill there, to die on? There are a number of rumors. I'm not going to put out there rumors I can't confirm. I have a suspicion it may have something to do with his home county, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, and That's where questions will have to be asked about why would, would it affect Rockingham County. So that's for – and if we had a really curious media – a lot more questions would be asked here. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the problems is they like to report, but they don't do follow-up questions and find out. The real question is, why is that the hill that the, speak, that the leader of the Senate, who's had a phenomenal track record of reducing taxes, reducing the regulatory burden, increasing freedoms, and making North Carolina a very pro-business state, more so than the governor by a long shot, would all of a sudden find himself in a predicament where this is a political hill to sacrifice seats moving forward into the 24 election. So you think that this could sacrifice seats? I absolutely do. I mean, again, I don't have a dog in the fight. This is not, I'm not saying we should or shouldn't have casinos. That's an issue that I think is much broader and bigger than, than just shoving it in with backroom deals and handshakes, uh, you know, nudge, nudge. That kind of stuff. I like transparency in my government. I don't care whether it's city, county, state. You want more transparency. We haven't seen a lot. Right. It's like all of a sudden we could be a casino state with very little discussion about what does that mean? Right. What does that look like? And boom, it's there. So is there any – what do you think – If is this related to Tim Moore's announcement that he is not going to run for speaker again? Is he a lame duck and as such – uh, the Senate thinks it, it, it can just steamroll through him? Well, I certainly believe, I, I don't know that it's related to that because the, the Senate still doesn't have leverage with the House, whether Tim's a lame duck or not. That mm-hmm. was Tim having, you know, losing a, a grasp of power. And there, you know, certainly there's two or three members, whether it be John Bell or Keith Kidwell, that, that are probably going to have, I think it's more likely to be John. There's another gentleman whose name I can't recall. Jason right now, Sane. Uh, that may have the vote. Yes, that one. Yeah. So, I don't think it has anything to do with that. There's just a number of, 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 of individuals in that House that this is just not, they're not going to go there. So they may go with the, well, if the four counties wanted it, it's, that's their destiny, but it's not my county, so I'm not worried about it, so I can vote for the budget, because it doesn't affect me, so I can vote for it. But I don't think it has anything to do with Tim's power, because Tim is basically the bearer of bad news to, to Phil Berger to say, we don't have a vote. Right, and according to the AP uh, report by Gary Robertson, 30 of the 72 House Republicans oppose it being part of the budget. Now, uh, to me, yeah, like, this just makes sense. Yeah, like, put it into put it as a standalone bill. Maybe you get a bunch of Democrats to sign on to it. In fact, you would. There are a lot of Democrats that, that like the casino gambling, and I'm not putting them down. What I'm saying is there are plenty of votes to pass casino gambling as a standalone bill. Why it needs to be, what they're concerned about is the governor's veto. Of it, and I don't know that the governor would. I, I don't. The governor's kind of uh, 
flaky in many respects. I don't know, you know, other than Medicaid expansion, he doesn't really have anything to hang his hat on. But Medicaid expansion doesn't happen unless we have a budget. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot out there. And if the governor doesn't like this budget, he can just simply not sign it for 10 days. That way he didn't approve it, but he didn't disapprove it, and it becomes law anyway. Um, I, I don't know that that's the big question, Pete, is why not have it as a separate bill? And that's the part, and I think there would be a lot more eyes on it, a lot more debate about it, a lot more questions about it, and just shoving it through is for expediency. And I do think there's another more personal reason why this is where it is, but that is for other people to ask and answer. So I also would note that there was a lot of uh, pushback uh, and defense of the Medicaid expansion because there was all this federal money that we were going to gobble up if we didn't take advantage of it right now. And now the same people that told us we had to do Medicaid expansion to gobble up the federal money are the same ones that are saying, no, you have to do gambling, too, as part of this deal. And they're they're delaying the gobbling of the federal money. Well, gobbling of the federal money. And and, and since when do we take pride in the number of people that are dependent? Uh, That's that's a weird thing to me is like we're really proud that we can make 300,000 more people dependent. It's also an indictment to say, how, how can we have that many people you know, 10, 20% of the state on Medicaid, uh, it says a lot about where we are as a society. But also, there's been no attempt to round up the billions of dollars in waste, fraud, and abuse, fix Medicaid first, and then expand it. But we've got a broken system, and we want to expand a broken system. And uh, I think a great analogy I heard the other day is you don't you don't solve a wolf problem by throwing more sheep out there. That's a great <laughs> analogy. I love it. All right, uh, Chad Adams, good to talk with you, buddy. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Pete. Have I, a great day. Hi, right, man. You too. That's good stuff, Chad Adams. You can catch him here. He's on like I think he's he's on like at least once a week. It seems like here on WBT. <laughs> well, usually for me. All right, Ralph has been waiting very long to speak about Mandy Cohen. Hello, Ralph. Ralph, are you there? Uh, yes, I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me, Pete? Yes, sir, I can hear you all right. Okay. So I, I just wanted to say I am tired of her being trampled by the state treasurer and everything. I think she was ingenious. She was being trampled in the vats of the vineyard, her good name, and everything, because she had the ingenious idea of having food trucks at the vineyards to keep them open, but keeping the bars closed. So, I mean, uh, even though she was a member of the Wine of the Month Club and getting wine for life, I I think she's getting a bad rap. Thank you, Ralph. I appreciate it. In defense of Mandy Cohen. There you go. Ralph with the defense of Cohen. I heard she's got it going on. Mandy Cohen. That's what I've heard. All right. So remember, wait, the other day we were talking about the uh, the stunt of emergency that uh, Roy Cooper declared on education. And then we have the stunt of emergency uh, declared in New Mexico by uh, Lou Jan Grisham, the authoritarian New Mexican Emperor Michelle out there. Right. Uh, her stunt of emergency on gun deaths. And then uh, just a moment ago, I saw. Uh, Kemp in Georgia, he's looking to do a stunt of emergency on, um, oh, what was it? Was it immigration or something? No, it wasn't that, because that actually would make sense. But no, so he's doing one on something else. Oh, inflation, that's what it was, a stunt of emergency on inflation. And now WRAL's editorial, which is 
remember, written by one guy that used to be the comms director for two different Democrat governors, Easley and uh, Bev Perdue, and uh, he is the he's the mouthpiece for Jim Goodman, the owner of WRAL, Capital Broadcast Company. And Goodman is a big-time donor to all of the Blueprint NC left-wing organizations. So uh, th- these are the talking points. And they say, oh, there's a wall between the newsroom, except actually we've seen emails that were sent to the wrong people, that actually the wall isn't really there. So uh, here's what the editorial, quote-unquote, this is from Seth Efron. That's where it comes from. Um, there's no beating around the bush. The North Carolina legislature is not doing its job. Failing to have a budget passed by July 1 and still lacking one 75 days later, they've made a mess of the state. For weeks, legislative leaders have been meeting secretly over the state budget. Other than occasional pronouncements, the public has little notion of what's really going on, what the issues of contention are, or why there's no budget to address the state's most pressing needs. So there's the truth. So what's piggybacking onto it? Here we go. Their inability to get the job done means the governor should step in and declare a state of emergency. Not the figurative one. You mean the stunt of emergency. Not that one that he announced in May concerning public education, but a literal one. Tell me, um, is that what democracy looks like? Right? Democracy means power grabs by a single individual. When you when you can't get the legislature to do something that you want, is that the is that what democracy looks like? I'll tell you, man. These lefties, they are the tyrants. They like the projection. This is uh, the the iron law of projection here. They are guilty of that which they accuse you. All of their their bleedings about. Uh, uh, authoritarian takeovers and tyranny and and you know threats to our democracy and this is what they're advocating the governor to issue a, a state of emergency and then just start passing just start doing stuff i'm going to say passing stuff because he's not passing it he's just doing things they want daddy to come in and make them pay give me what i want daddy give it to me that's what they want They want him to fully fund Leandro, the Leandro school funding lawsuit that's been going on for like 40 freaking years in this state, right? Where at some point you had entities that were literally suing themselves. That's how convoluted that that case has become. But a California-based consultant says, you need to spend $100 billion. And they're like, okay, let's do it. But the legislature's like, yeah, no, you can't do that. We do that. And we don't want to do that. So now he's saying, just go around them. That's what these guys are saying. Oh, and Medicaid expansion. Just do this stuff on your own. Who needs a legislature? Who needs democracy? We'll see you tomorrow. Stick around. Brett Winterbull's up next. Don't break anything while I'm gone.